I always say to you know builders that work with us that you guys are glorified project managers. You know, you don't jump on tools. When was the last time you hold the drill <laughs> or hold the paintbrush? But in builder JVs, you would see builder on site quite a bit because you know it's 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 their money on the line as well. Hello and welcome to another thrilling episode of Help Me Buy Podcast. I am your host, Cheryl Leong, and my very dashing co-host, Watson Reza. How are you, my wow, friend? Wow, dashing. Thank you very much, Cheryl. I am awesome. How are you today? Yeah, amazing. We are wrapping up our series of six strategies to make six figures. And we have two very cool strategies that we're going to be talking about, which it's JVs, but not your typical JVs that we spoke about in earlier episodes. But we're talking about builder JVs and rental JVs. So shall we get rocking and rolling? Yes, 100%. Which one do you want to pick first? Amazing. Let's just talk about builder JVs to begin with. Awesome. I love them. Builder JVs. Yeah, let's take let's take a step back and help people understand the views and the listeners what a builder JV is. So, if you think about a builder JV, naturally, it's you joint venturing with a builder to do a development, and then that development could be pretty much anything. You know, that development could be you basically building a single house or you doing a full scale development. The good thing about builder JVs or where the builder JVs really work is. The builders are basically building it on cost and are in this for profit. And so they are going to share the profit with you. Okay. And that's what typically builder JVs are. They are successful because, you know, we all know that builders, you know, keep between 15 to 20% margin. You know, yes, they were doing 10%. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of builders who are doing 10% are going broke. But on average, you know, 15 to 20% margin is what a builder would have in a deal. And so when they're doing it on cost, you almost know that if the numbers make sense and they work, there would be that 20% margin up for the grabs. What about you? What do you think? Well, builder JVs, I mean, they, they all, they do sound very attractive, but the whole point that your, your builder is tied and to the outcome as well. I do think just like any other JV, you've got to be absolutely clear of the roles and responsibilities as well. I haven't done any builder JVs myself, so I don't really, I can't say from from my own experience how to set up these joint venture partnerships. But so I'm happy for you to to share your experience with them and the things to look out for as well. What are the things to look out for and how they can work really well? Yeah, look, I mean, the the first and the foremost important question is why do they work? Why would a builder ever go into a joint venture agreement with a developer, right? And it's important to understand and unpack that. From a builder's perspective, for people to understand this, that builder always require cash flow up front in order to go into any construction that they're going to do. Okay. A builder usually gets paid out by the lockup stage, you know. So, you know, they're usually break even from a cash flow perspective by the by the time they reach a lockup stage. It's usually them putting the money up front, you know, for anything. For example, they're putting a slab, build the slab, put the slab in, they'll pay and then get paid by the client, right? And so they cash flow all of these instances by themselves. 
For a young builder, the problem is that they are always capital poor. And so they don't have a lot of cash to, to basically scale up. And so they have to wait for that 15% or 20% on every project that they are going to make. And naturally, you know, there is overheads, you know, there is, you know, their own income, their living lifestyle that they have to manage. And so that capital accumulation happens very slowly because, you know, they can only do so many projects with the amount of money that they have on hand, right? And so a builder would always think about a joint venture when they're thinking about scaling their business. They want to grow fast. They want to grow big, right? And so it's important to note and understand why is a builder getting in bed with you? Usually you don't, right? You, you, know, you don't hear builders, you know, they're getting into these small mini marriages. And so it's important to dictate the terms quite carefully that while there is money to be made, you should never do a development site based on what the developer's margins are, what the builder's margins are. You should always have a developer's margin on top of the builder's margin. Where a lot of people fail to understand is that as a developer, when you're doing a feasibility for a development site, you consider builder at, at an arm's length transaction. You don't assume them at cost. And then when you are aiming for a 20% margin on cost, you are basically saying that, well, typically this site in a builder's margin environment should give you 30 to 35% on cost because that's what builder's cost looks like, right? You know, at least on the construction side of things or the, to you know, total development cost, you know, minus the acquisition price, right? And so it's important to note uh, uh, some of these things, you know, a lot of people, you know, naturally don't think about some of these things and they think, oh, I have 20% margin on cost on this side. Well, truly you don't because out of that 2015 is builder's margin and so you're doing site for 5% margin and that car margin can dissipate by a single mistake or one oversight that you're doing in relation to developments. And this is not, I'm not talking about big developments, I'm talking about small single houses as well. That risk is definitely there, right? Interest rate rise, 1% interest rate rise is almost 5% total development cost, right? For one year. And so you need to understand some of these mechanics before you go into the deal. Yeah. I mean, and, and also being aware, you know, when a lot of cash flow is the biggest thing and the biggest stumbling block for a lot of builders at the moment. There's cash flow, there's a shortage in labor. We've got sort of settling down of, of the cost increases as well. So that, that's less of an issue. Just be aware, like, like projects, if you haven't worked with a particular builder before, like there is, you know, potential likelihood of of extensions of time you know they're going to have blowouts in 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 construction times as well so it's it's something that you need to be mindful of when diving into a, a builder jv i mean we've had other things to look out for what's the flip side what's the positive side where it works really well look i mean there are six numbers quite aggressively there in a lot of these things you know builders you know, while they might not be the best developers, they can actually manage the cost quite well, right? And so if it's their own side, they are almost on the tools, you know, trying to save as much money as possible, right? To, you know, because, you know, as, as a builder, you, I always say to, you know, builders that work with us, that you guys are glorified project managers. You know, you don't jump on tools. When was the last time you hold the drill <laughs> or hold the paintbrush? But in builder JVs, you would see builder on site quite a bit because, you know, it's, it's, it's their money on the line as well, right? Typically, you know, if you think about that. So 
there are various ways to structure it as well. It's important to think about some of these things as to how the structuring works. It does not mean that in a builder JV, the builder is not putting in any money. You know, that's not the case. You know, while they're building it on cost, they would always put in money as well uh, as skin in the game. They would sometimes even bring in serviceability because they are, you know, they are thinking about scaling this up quite quickly. And so what you're partnering with is, you know, you're bringing in your serviceability, they are bringing in their serviceability, they are bringing in cash, you're bringing in cash and you're splitting the profits. And so the worst case scenario in a lot of these things is the builder's margin of 15%. And the best case scenario, if you catch the upside, then you are almost looking at, you know, 40, 50, 60%, you know, cash and cash returns, you know, on a lot of these sites. Um, the idea with builders JV is, is quantity. It's not quality. It's not so much about, you know, complexity. It's simple, easy, replicated, do it again, do it fast, in and out, you know, sort of projects. And so that's why Builders JV really works really well where a house and land is selling for an X price, you know, at, at a slightly bigger margin. And as a developer or as a builder, you have access to land that is slightly cheaper than what the market dictates of the price point is. And the builder keeps the cost at a really low tight threshold and delivers the profit for you. So, yeah, six digits, you know, earning six digits is quite easy. You can make that quite quickly in a year or two years time. But that's also like almost the devil in the deal, because while you're generating quicker returns, again, coming back to my original point, you know, the builder is in this for capital. And so as soon as they make the capital, it's not in their best interest to share their margin with an, anyone else. And so they walk out of these JVs pretty quickly as well. Absolutely. We often think that the builders will get that 20% margin just with anything else. On paper, that's what we like to get. Uh, whether it happens all the time in reality, I think we'll have a lot of builders who say a lot of work gets in, go, goes into it. And especially with the volatility of the market over the last few years, builders haven't been making that 20% profit. I mean, we're seeing a lot of builders going into voluntary administration, things like that. So. Be very mindful. Yes, it can. Yes, it can work well. Just be be mindful going in of the potential risk as well. I think one more thing. Um, again, you know, builder, putting the builder's hat on. You know, trying to talk this through is, you know, the way the builders are scaling their business is ensuring that they have consistent work. Uh, you know, one of the biggest problem with the builders is that. You know, they wear a lot of hats. They are, you know, also the CFOs of their business. They are also, you know, an admin of the business, especially when they are growing, when they are, you know, in their infancy, you know, building that business, right? And so together with that, they're also the BDMs in their business, right? Because they don't have a big sales team, you know, who's writing the business. And so while they are doing coding, et cetera, they're also doing the business development. And so in order for them to hold on to good trades, they need consistent business. So the trades keeps jumping around and they can't control the quality. One of the reasons that they would do a builder JV is because there is so much quantity of work that comes in, they can hold on to their labor and control the prices by giving them more work, consistent work over, you know, one year, two years. And so where I've seen this work really, really well is it's a young builder, it's an efficient builder, understands the finances really well, and they would, you know, bring this out or they will, you know, shake hands and start doing this with you. And their mindset is predominantly, I'm going to have a dedicated pipeline of work with this builder JV, 
And then I'll do some more work on the side in relation to, say, townhouse development, et cetera, with someone else at an arm's length transaction. And that would be more money that I'm going to use to feed my family or pay the overheads. And so all of the builder JV basically becomes the capital that gets reinjected back and back into the business and you grow exponentially fast. Of course, you know, you would not see experienced builders are doing this. You would not see a builder who has been in the, in the market for 20 odd years, you know, doing this because there is no interest from their, their perspective. Okay. And the, the most important point, Cheryl, that you make is, you know, if you don't structure this right, there could be a thousand things that can go wrong with builder JVs. Now, of course, you know, on paper, everything looks beautiful. Everything looks like heaven. But when you start thinking about the intricacies, when you start thinking about, okay, what are the downside risks? On some of these things what you're doing is you're going into a jv with a builder you're absorbing builders liability okay and so you need to understand this quite importantly because as soon as you absorb a builder's liability even in a single joint venture trust and that trust does the build because the builder is there for example ultimately what happens is that you know five years six years seven years down the track any claims comes in on that house and that builder has closed the company you are there in the mix okay it Basically, your name is on the line, uh, your guarantees are on the line. And I've seen this happen myself to my own uncle where, you know, he was pulled out on one of these things, of course, not through my company. And, you know, he copped the bill of almost $140,000, almost seven years, you know, after the bill was done. And the builder had disappeared by then and, and they changed the name. They were still there, but they changed the names. And, you know, and so those risks are definitely there and people need to understand how to structure this and how to keep the builders builder at an arm's length transaction still while doing a builder's JV. And, and that's definitely possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What else is there? Is there anything else that we can talk about in relation to the builder JV side of things? I'm just thinking just to be really, again, coming up to the, the joint venture agreement, getting really clear in terms of, you know, when you're doing your quoting and all of that at the very beginning, what, what variations, you know, agreements around when things, things change, what amount of equity needs to be put in, that sort of stuff. But that, that, that comes down to any sort of agreement that you're going into. I do hop on about agreements because when, when the poop hits the fan, that's often, that's often the thing to go, you know, go back to. My question is in a, in a builder JV, do you then negate the need for a built contract? Oh, no. See, I mean, from a serviceability perspective, the bank wants to see the builder, right? And so unless you are cash funding the complete build, which is, you know, in certain scenarios you may, if you are going to the bank for lending the build, you are basically looking at an arm's length transaction for the build, right? You know, because they, don't, they want the builder to be separate from the developer. And so it's important. I think one of the things that people work with the banks is the builder can still issue you a full price contract and that 15, 20% that they are putting, for example, as a margin, basically comes back to your cash flow, right? To the same project. And so, and that's why the scalability is there, right? Because say, for example, an actual cost of the house is maybe 500 and the builder is say charging you 580, you know, he would write the contract for 580. In some cases, you know, over-exaggerated to 615 or 620 or 650, right? 
And that money coming from the bank basically becomes the cash flow for the next project or, you know, for them to scale up and, you know, move faster. And so, again, you know, those little opportunities of, you know, getting hands on that money is quite, is quite the key and, you know, scaling some of these things. But of course, the risk is there, right? Unfortunately, the builders are not the best developers. Yeah. And so, if you overcapitalize on any of these, if you think that you can sell this X, Y, and Z, I've seen, you know, builder JVs really struggling and failing where they were waiting for the market to flip. They were waiting for the market to move and, you know, they built that growth into the numbers of the GRV. And so you need to understand that that's not the case, you know, that can't happen, you know, when you're doing builder JVs. And so there would be times where some of the properties you might make only, you know, 80K or, or 100K and there would be other times where you would be making 200 and $250,000 because you're trying to catch the tide. And so you're not timing the market. What you're doing is you're letting market come at play while you're doing this. And so there would be properties that would catch instant growth on some of these instances as well. Especially you're working in like greenfield suburbs. You're not looking at demolishing the house and rebuilding it in majority of the scenarios. Okay, you're not you don't see builder JVs happening into duplexes, et cetera, all of those things because the exposure is slightly bigger there and no bank would give you the lending unless you are fully cashed up and you're doing it on cash completely. That's a completely different scenario. Yeah, and that, that sort of rolls on to the question that I have. Are there anything, is there anything that, that needs to be considered from a financing and funding from if the builder is also a JV partner? Definitely. Look, I think what tends to happen is that there is a JV contract that dictates the relationship between you and the builder and the ownership of the project sits with you always. And that's how the bank sees it. So when the bank looks at it, bank doesn't see it as you and builder going into the deal together. They always look at uh, me as an owner occupier trying to build this house, for example, and a builder at an arm's length transaction, you know, building this this thing and there is a JV agreement that usually sits in the background that is not presented to anyone. It's only when, as you said, poop hits the fan that that JV agreement is pulled out and then all of a sudden everyone starts you know, talking about, okay, oh, what happened here? Okay, there was a side agreement, there was a background agreement that was in place. Okay, why didn't we know about this? And so, you know, majority of the times, you know, this JV agreement is not, you know, placed to the bank. You're not in the trust together. You try to, you know, keep the, the things quite separate. And that should be the way in the background as well, right? You should try to, you know, mitigate your risk as much as possible in relation to, you know, not bringing in your personal finances, um, not bringing in your personal guarantees, not putting your own houses as collateral. A lot of people make those mistakes of, oh, I don't have cash, but I have my house and there is equity there and let's use that as a collateral. You shouldn't do that. You know, there is a lot of risk that you are putting yourself through while trying to make a quick coin. Absolutely. Fantastic. Lots of things to consider when you're going into a builder JV. Yes, definitely. Parting words before we close this off and jump on to the next one. Parting words are, and we've, we've highlighted this, it's a really quick summary. Yes, they're possible. Be really clear as to who you're doing a JV with. Make sure they've got a good track record. Make sure they're financially sound as well. Make sure you've got tight agreements in place. And everything is laid out before you dive into it as well 100 percent. wouldn't agree more uh, just one more thing that i would add is again you know sometimes you would see builders doing jvs when they are cash flow struggling or their cash flow stri strive and so 
understand the reasons as to why the builder doing a JV, try to be as clean and clear in the contract. And if you are trying to milk the cow, make sure that you know, you're holding them to the contract for as long as possible, knowing in anticipation that they will walk out of this deal and you would not be able to you know, do this on an infinite basis. Okay. Yeah. Again, you thank know. you for listening to us. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, you know, do jump into the comments and ask those questions. If you want to reach out to me or Cheryl, do you know, join our group, uh, Property Development Australia or Property Investment Australia. Thank you for listening to us today. Keep smiling, stay safe, keep investing. This is Moss and Cheryl checking out. Adios. Yeah, bye.